0: upstairs, that's better, just like old times, and, uh, or listening to the podcast or even uh, on the live stream. My name's Ian Beatty, and today I'm going to be speaking on the last in our series of being family. This one is on serving. So a quick recap. We've been talking about our purpose as a church becoming more like Jesus being family and centred in community NBC of course and also our values welcoming, authentic, loving expectant and serving which you can think of as spelling Wales if that helps you bit less rugby chat today I think though Now, it's the fifth time we've been talking about family, which gives you a clue, I think, as to how important it is. Because there are also so many aspects of family. And you've had Danny on welcoming, Liz on being authentic, Ian Morris on being loving, and Andrew on being expectant and what to expect. These are all dimensions of family, and now I've been asked to talk to you about serving. Another aspect of family, as I'm sure many of us are aware of. As always, when we're talking about scripture or almost anything in life, we need to recognize context. Not just one context, but overlapping contexts. We talk about context a lot when we come to scripture. Trying to learn what the words would have meant at the time try and work out what the words meant when they were first written, why that image was used, what it meant, what the social conventions were at the time, and then how it fits with the time and the place as it was happening then and how it can apply to us. We need to talk about the context here too. We're talking about, some of you might say banging on about, the theme of family because that's what the calling we've had As a church, that's going to be at the very heart of what we're doing here. So, being family, this means family in the fullest sense of the word a group of people sharing their ups and downs and being authentic, vulnerable, and real with each other. This doesn't just mean your small group, your clique, your friends everyone who walks through the door now what struck me when I was doing this is this phrase the fullest sense of the word the fullest sense I was talking to Steve our minister a uh, few days ago and of course he pointed out um, he quoted John ten ten. 10 where Jesus told us what he had come to do. I have come that you may have life in all its fullness. So when we talk about fullness, we don't just mean, oh, it's all going to be great. It's all going to be fantastic. Otherwise, it would say that. You're just going to get all the positives. You're just going to get the blessings. And it never says that. It doesn't just mean the fun and sunny uplands. And it's the same here. It means The fullness, all the ups and downs. There's another context that's important here too. And we've mentioned this already in this series, but I want to repeat it again. It's what you bring, what I bring, involuntarily. What does some of these words mean to you? Family, father. What are the norms and expectations and values that you've got? that you've learned from your families and your experience and where it has shaped you, possibly where it has damaged you. So some of these words we use, don't we, they can mean different things to different people or people can feel different things even if they know technically what we mean. So I know we've mentioned this already but I just wanna take a moment now, just everybody just to take a moment to think about what you are bringing to this and if you need to lay it down then let's do so we don't want to get it we don't want it getting in the way of you and god at this moment now god the perfect father might not be what your experience is so let's reflect here for a moment and pause And if you need to come up to the prayer ministry team or any of the leadership team or to me afterwards, then, then we've got the prayer ministry team here and, and we'll all be here afterwards if you need to pray about any of this. The enemy is sought to destroy and to damage and we should not pretend otherwise or cover up this hurt. Make sure I've got the right screen up there, yeah. Okay. So, on to the passage that we've got for today Galatians 5, verses 13 to 15. A nice short one for you all. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Because of Jesus, we are free. The power of sin that has tangled us up is broken. And so now, in love, serve one another, is the message here. Paul is quoting Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and Leviticus with regards to the golden rule that I'm sure we're all aware. And he puts it into context of why and explains how it is possible and, Paul is good at this, isn't he? How to apply it. So you are free. Free to serve Note, it's not work that sets you free. That's what the Nazis wrote at Auschwitz. It's not effort. It's not rule-keeping or being clever. This is actually what is, for some people, very offensive. Take your cue from Jesus. In Mark 10, verse 45, It says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is God, yet he came to serve. But back to this passage. What is the context of this scripture? The writer Paul is an apostle, a serial entrepreneur of the church, the early church. He's a church starter, isn't he? He's a follower of Jesus but not one of the 12. This is the guy, the very epitome of someone who's made mistakes. He was, after all, initially trying to crush the uh, early church movement when it was then known as The Way, but called fiercely by God and was so convinced and charged that he became key to spreading and interpreting Jesus' teachings founding, encouraging, maintaining, challenging, nurturing up Christian communities throughout Europe and Asia. And here he is writing to the Galatians. They're a group of Gentile, non-Jewish believers in what is today Turkey. And the first Christians are Jewish and Paul is encouraging, directing and exhorting here the non-Jewish ones about what's really the core things that it's not about the religious bits, like circumcision in this case here, or what foods to abstain from. Why? Why is he doing this? Because the danger is that if we start picking up the religious aspect, we'll forget, ignore the real gospel, the real true, shocking, miraculous, amazing gospel. And in this case, there's a risk that they'll focus on the rules and not living the life of grace and truth and love. Because the trouble is people like to look at the differences, don't they? They like the little badges or I'm in this group and define yourselves as what you're not. You like to be in, the others are out. It Maybe it makes us feel better. Or maybe just less bad. I'm not very good at this, but I'm better than him. It's also easier, isn't it? But that's not the gospel. Our faith is supposed to be different. Don't get to heaven by doing good works. And despite this being a sermon about serving, it's through Jesus. Paul, like Jesus, is showing us what. We want to be and do as individuals first and as a church. Strip away the religion and really think about how we embed deep in our core and at the forefront of our lives, our work, our day-to-day, the gospel of Jesus. And to live it, to really live it, we have to repent, to truly see the world through the right kingdom lens, at least partially. We mustn't be distracted by the noise, in this case circumcision, things that might act as a proxy for faith, the virtue signaling or comforting, the right post on Facebook, being being seen to be the right side of whatever the thinking of the day is. Not that these things aren't important, but they're not the key message. They're not the gospel. And this is what Paul is saying again and again. How does that fit in your context, your family? What should be at the core of your family? You might have conventions in your homes about the rules on, I don't know, monopoly. Or how you decide who clears up after lunch. Might be uh, more about who phones who these days, or who texts who, and there might even be entrenched arguments and resentments. But, and bearing in mind what we said, that it might not be the experience for all here. At its best, family is what happens when someone is in need, and everyone rallies round. It's about love, without conditions. And church is the same. There are connotations which, which can be used, can't it? It can be passive-aggressive sometimes. But do we mean family when we talk about who's on the coffee rotor? Does it mean family when there is a falling out and it's not dealt with properly in truth and grace and love? And we need these things doing. They can be done well with love to the best standards and with the right priorities always keeping an eye out for what is the true uh, loving thing to do as well and that is key isn't it what would Paul write to us today to NBC or to us as individuals what would he exhort us to do how would he tell us to cut out the religion the unimportant fluff and the trivial that might be getting in the way and focus on the core teaching many of us including me have a fear that well I ask myself sometimes am I a Pharisee I know many of us ask ourselves that and pray that that isn't the case. Do we have more religion than grace, than love, more religion than Jesus? We live in an age of signaling, don't we? The communication revolution, it's all opinions now. Even facts are getting a bit lower down on the list. And communication is great. This is a positive thing, but obviously there are negative connotations, and it can change us. It can shift the perceived balance of talk and opinion over action. Basically, I think we're all, increasingly so maybe, quick to grumble and criticise and say, oh, I wouldn't do it like that, or what if you'd have done it like this, or you should have done it like that. As they say, the spectator sees the game best, or rather they think they do. My favorite quote from Roosevelt is about those who are in the arena count, not the critic. And sometimes you just need to do, as the Nike advert says, just do it, not talk about it. So here's a challenge, always like a bit of challenge as well, we've had the nice warm bit, Is the challenge. Are you serving? Do you know how you can? I know we talked about this last week, but we all have a role to play. Most of the time, not all the time. Amongst your own friends and family, you all have different skills and attributes. You have different characters. You've been given different gifts. God will use you and call you in different ways. Paul, as we said, was used even though he didn't ask for it (laughs) in a completely opposite way that he thought he was being used by God. So pray to be given gifts or to be shown what you've been asked to do. And I urge you to come and serve on one of the teams here. Youth or children's work. Prayer ministry. They need more people. More normal people. And If you're not normal still, I'm sure we'll find a use. Seriously, more normal, the better. The sound, an AV team, children's church, Sunday afternoon youth, especially for you when it restarts. there's lots of teams that need people. And you can always, no matter how struggling you are or, or other issues you've got, you can always pray at home. just I think I'm going I'm to name you Peter. Peter and Liz here have been praying for my daughter for seven years. I think we thought it was six, seven years. Regularly, frequently. What about finance? Are you serving here? Where does it fit in your priorities? We don't need to live as though we haven't been blessed in many ways, in material ways. But we do need to think about our priorities, whether it's time, your time, or money, or effort. And I'm serious. I saw the Cutty Sark on Thursday. Didn't look like that. But it reminded me of a prophetic vision we had for this church. You know the cliche about the kind of ship that that is there were no passengers. It was the cutting-edge ship of the day. It was faster than the the steam-powered ones because they needed to stop for coal. Very environmentally friendly. But it was the fastest. There were no passengers on those ships. Everyone had a role. That doesn't mean there can't be times when you need to rest or repair or to be served as well, but you get my point. Sometimes we just have to do it. Enough of the adverts. Getting back to this, the test, the rule, of course, is simple. Jesus told us, Paul tells us here, love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is true love, all in, the golden rule. And that should lead to proper serving, being vulnerable. Because it is hugely vulnerable To love each other properly. To be able to call each other out in love. Not just the polite stuff. Not just the lip service. Not just the, that looks good on a Sunday. But when we don't think about, and then we don't think about them for the rest of the week. Not the call me if you need anything. But proper, turning up, gritty, grimy, down to earth love. The sort of love that rolls up its sleeves. And works alongside Helping someone when they're low, relapsing, dirty, imperfect, complicated, complicated. Not giving up on them, even when they maybe have. Real, authentic, vulnerable. We could just talk about these things on a beautiful day like this in Minchin Hampton, it seems easy, isn't it? But we all know it isn't if you're gonna do it. And where we draw the line for family, Jesus probably is challenging us to draw it wider. We might find it easy to love people in our group. But what about the other groups at NBC? What about the parish church? What about those even further afield in the office? or in the gutter. Now, how do you do it? Because it is harder when it's not a beautiful day like this and we're all sitting with our church and our friends. Well, that's why Jesus gave us so much. You need Jesus to do this. He gave us the teaching. He gave us the modeling. And that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit knowing it was going to be hard knowing it would be too hard for us otherwise in fact I think we need a church family in order to love that family and the wider family if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together is the saying so go with your family to serve as well unless you need to do something really quickly, when just do it on your own. So serve the family. Serve the community with the family. See that person made in the image of God and act like you're a child of Christ because you are. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do this. It's kind of a humble thing and yet at the same time requires confidence. I think it's an attitude, almost a posture. And this is so important. Family is so important. Good ones, when they're right. And the kingdom, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is breaking in, as Jesus told us and demonstrated, is a family. You are a child of Christ. You are a co-heir. You are family. And because it's heavenly, because it's God's, it's God's rules, heaven's rules, it's all upside down. It's very offensive to our worldly cultural values. Might isn't right. Because... Well, we can trump everything, right? Our heavenly dad isn't just bigger than the bully's dad. He's bigger than the universe. And yet Jesus washes the disciples' feet. The last shall be first. The poor will inherit. Do we we listen to this? And we hear it, but do we act on it? Do we feel it? Do we then behave like it? His kingdom, his family, is inclusive. It celebrates who people are as a loving family does. And so should we. That doesn't mean we don't help them change. Just read further on in Galatians. Paul's back to his... Quite hard side. But we are true family, not cheerleaders. And we are in the now and the not yet. It's not about criticising who they are not, though. The kingdom of God is a family. We are in it. We need to act like it. So you, you, let's just go through the basics again. You, you don't need to do good works to be in it. You don't need to be circumcised or abstain from certain foods. You do not need religion. You need Jesus. You need his grace, love, and truth. And you need to repent. You need to transform your beliefs and behaviors. But like it says in this passage, you are free. You are blessed by being free from sin. That doesn't mean you won't make mistakes and sin again. It just means you're not going to be very good at it. You're not going to be a professional You are free. You are in the family, God's family. Isn't that amazing? It's better than winning any jackpot or lottery or anything, isn't it? That's the ultimate. You can't repay it. But will you carry on as before? Is it like a free pass? No. You are a saint. You've received his grace, love and you know the truth act like you've inherited because you have you can act like the the rich they don't need to scrabble and fight start acting like the saints that you are do unto others as you'd have them do to you Many of the religions have a similar but usually slightly different golden rule which is don't do to others what you don't want done to you. That's a negative thing. Ours says do to others what you want them to do to you. It's positive. It's doing. Jesus has got you in the kingdom. It's not something that's one day it's breaking in here so act like it you've got the inheritance it's infinite there's no limit on this and you have the Holy Spirit to help you serve like it the kingdom of heaven is near saints should get busy serving and loving way over time sorry so let's finish with the Lord's prayer and we can all say it together our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.